0: Welcome to Celestial Small Talk with Alice
1: NCJ Celestial Small Talk refers to the big ideas, profound revelations, and deep connections that are created in the briefest of
0: encounters. It is often in these moments that an imperceptible shift in thought can bring about the biggest change, helping us to more fully embody our intuition.
1: We strive to inspire, illuminate, question, provoke, and spark the unique constellation within. Welcome to our very last episode of Celestial Small Talk for season two. We are so excited for all the growth that has occurred throughout this season. We've had some amazing guests and amazing conversations and we have our very final guest. We are so excited to bring Sid onto the podcast today. How are you doing today, Sid?
2: I'm good. I'm in the middle of finals week for my first year of grad school. So I am a little bit just like tired in general, but like mentally spiritually all of that I'm good I'm really good right now
1: that's so good to hear and good on you for doing your master's it is not an easy thing and it Mm -mm. takes a lot of just focus and dedication so we we commend you
0: Alice how are you today I'm doing great. I'm just in the holiday spirit already. I just can't wait to get a break. And I just can't wait to eat and just to have fun and give myself you know, this is like my one the time of year where I really do give myself, you know, the the grace of like, it's okay that you're not doing anything right now, because you're supposed to rest that's how I feel. I feel very excited for this coming week and just this coming month. And I'm very also excited to have a conversation with Sid today. Um, This is the first time we've ever met. So I'm very excited to get to know you and to get into immediately deep into conversation um, with you.
2: I'm excited too. I've never really done something in this format or at least combining like astrology and spirituality and all of those things like with a podcast. It's a it's a cool combination of stuff that I've never experienced before.
1: Well, we are all about innovation here. So we're very excited. And I'll just share a little bit. I feel like I'm going through a huge transformation right now. And it's been, I think, a long time coming with a lot of things that I've just put out into the universe. Now they're kind of coming back to me in different ways. So earlier today, I found myself feeling torn. And I was really uncomfortable with that feeling because I've worked to create a situation where I wasn't feeling like that as frequently. And it just kind of came to a head. And again, not in a bad way, but means that I have to kind of make some decisions moving forward. And unintended, Intentionally, I had already selected the harmony candle to light for today. So that just feels like a super appropriate way to start with a little grounding. So let's take a nice deep breath in. And exhale. Harmony now radiates through my mind, body, and emotions. The magical flow now consumes my entire being. I am calm relaxed and at peace universal harmony now becomes my constant companion deep breath in and exhale i'm just seeing all of our faces on zoom and i feel like we all just like got a year younger (laughs) just from taking that quick moment to pause Yes. So let me tell you a little bit about Sid and then we'll get into the meat of the conversation. So Sid is a 25 year old woman living in Sacramento and currently working through grad school to achieve her MSW. Good on you. We need people like you in the field. She has been interested in all things witchcraft, magic, occult, and mystical for over a decade. Sid is an avid feminist and passionate about social justice in all of its intersectional forms. And I will use this time to say that Sid and I got to meet through doing the vagina monologues pre-pandemic and she was the person who I reached out to when I was interested in getting into tarot so I'm kind of excited that this has come full circle today so Sid what's on your heart and mind what did you want to bring to the podcast I forgot that you
0: were
2: I forgot I'm just I'm remembering now that I was the person that you were like I think I want to like figure out tarot and I was kind of like oh okay (laughs) that's cool that it has come full circle like that What do I want to bring? I am going through a very interesting time of life right now in a lot of really good ways, actually. It feels funny to say like I'm going through an interesting time because really the last two years have just kind of been wild for everyone. I think everyone's going through an interesting time. But at the beginning of this year, or closer to the beginning of 2021, a relationship ended. My romantic relationship ended, and it was a relationship that I sincerely thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with that person. And it ended, and I ended up having to move back in with my parents and my nearly 99-year-old grandpa. So that's the dynamic that I live in right now. Yeah, the face. He's so. (laughs) Whenever I tell people that he's almost 99, they're like, whoa. But yeah, which is fine. Like my parents are wonderful people, but it was just everything kind of shifted once again on top of a pandemic where everything is constantly shifting, my life just kind of shifted really rapidly once again towards the beginning of this year. But the further away I get from that relationship and the further away I get from the way things were for most of 2020, I realize now, I don't think that I am a malleable person. I think I have a pretty strong personality, but I think I'm kind of guilty sometimes of losing myself in other people. And I don't even realize that it's happening until later. And then I reflect and I'm like, I became a weird version of myself that wasn't really myself around that person. I've spent the past six or so months, but since I moved back in with my parents, kind of coming back to the version of myself that I was before that relationship. And it's so cool. And I'm so much happier than I was. And like other people are realizing it too, which is cool. Cause they're like a friend recently said something along the lines of like, you seem like how you used to seem. And I was like, what does that mean? And then he was talking about like, you just seem more you than you have in a while. And I'm just learning a lot about like boundaries and how like boundaries don't make you a bad person. And we need boundaries, but that's something that I've always struggled with.
1: Oh, I hear you, Sid. My goodness. My heart goes out to you for so many different things that you just mentioned, but (laughs) good on you. I mean, I feel like so many people, when they get to the end of a relationship, you can wallow in it. And it sounds like you really took the opportunity to check back in with, okay, who am I authentically at my core, independent from a romantic relationship. And also it sounds like navigating your family dynamic by moving back in and figuring out again, who are you while you are furthering yourself personally and professionally with your master's in social work, as well as therapy and magic and all the wonderful things. I know you do a lot with uh, PMDD as well. And it's just such an awesome thing to see that transformation peripherally uh, through Instagram, at least. (laughs)
2: I always forget. I mean, I don't forget because I know that social media exists, but like every once in a while when somebody's like, I've been watching all the things that you go through and like, I'm really inspired by you. I'm always like, oh, wow, I forget how many eyes can really be on us through that platform. Yeah, it's been good. It's been hard, but it's been I'm at the age now where I'm kind of like, I think I'm really settling into like the version of myself that I want to be for the long run. And it's hard. To, like, do that kind of, like, digging down in yourself and then, like, unlearning things and relearning things and realizing that sometimes you kind of are the toxic one and, like, how do I rid myself of those toxic dynamics that maybe I was perpetuating? that's hard work, but I'm grateful. I'm not grateful for the pandemic. Like I never want to be like, I'm grateful for COVID, but I'm kind of grateful for the fact that in the past two years life has slowed to a point where like a lot of us, I think, have the time to kind of do that self-work or the desire to do it for the first time, maybe.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It has been, I think, a necessary just put on the brakes for so many people. And like you said, it's not because of the pandemic, we're happy. It's because of the opportunities for growth that have be- that have become um, available to us now.
0: I have many, many questions for you, but first of all, yes, like I am so in awe of all the things that you're doing. Just the fact that you even recognize that we could be the toxic one is very big because generally people have their own ego and they have their own ego stories. And it's always easier to blame other people than it is to look at yourself and say, oh, wait, that's kind of passive aggressive. I probably shouldn't say that. I do have a question um, because CJ mentioned PMDD. Is that something that you experience?
2: Yeah. So I have, I was diagnosed with PMDD at the beginning of 2019. I was going through a really rough patch with my mental health and I didn't know what it was. I think I just kind of thought that I had like maybe depression or something like that. And then everything kind of came to a head in a really dramatic way. I wasn't safe with myself anymore. So I had to make some really drastic changes in terms of I was living at the time that all this happened. I was living on my own in my own apartment and like working like a 50 hour a week job Then everything kind of came to a head and I resigned from that job and I moved out of that apartment and I had moved back in with my parents again. I've moved in and out several times with my parents over the course of my life. And I went to the doctor and it had kind of been like some of the stuff was stuff that I had been trying to discuss with my doctors for many years. And then probably as many people have experienced sometimes as a woman The medical system, the medical industry can be very gaslighting and very like, they just want to make you go away. They just want to be like, you're being anxious or you're being dramatic. Go away. I went to the doctor and I was like, okay, this is not normal. I really reached the point where I was like, this is not normal. And I need you to really sit down and listen to me. And then I was diagnosed kind of by my mom and kind of by a doctor with PMDD. My mom was the one who eventually kind of came to the conclusion that a lot of my mental health stuff was connected to my period. And then I got put on birth control, which changed my life so drastically. And in the middle of 2020, I found this group through Instagram that's called the International Association for Premenstrual Disorders. And I emailed them and asked like if I could get involved with them. And then for like the past several months, it's been close to a year now, I think, I've been volunteering with them. I'm on their social media team and I'm on the youth advisory board. For people who are under like 26, 27, in their teen years even, who are dealing with premenstrual disorders, we do a lot of stuff to help like the young people.
0: That's amazing. I did not know all of those things exist. I also have PMDD for the longest time, probably up until May of 2021. I thought I was the only one. Like seriously, I was like, I noticed that this time of month, I am extra depressed and anxious and irritable. And I feel like my body just feels like shutting down. What the heck is happening to me? And, you know, and I was bringing it to my doctor. When you try to explain to the doctor, you feel like you're crazy. You feel like you're being overdramatic. I feel like she was just gonna like shut me down. I was also put on birth control. It took six months for it to even stabilize. And that's the kind of struggle that women deal with and sometimes i'm like this sucks universe like why do we have to deal with this on top of everything else that we deal with right you're amazing you're involved in all these things and actually putting in action to make changes for the better i had no idea these this organization exists and i'm gonna look it up this is awesome thank you for sharing
2: yeah i'm so glad And I don't know if you know at this point, like since you've kind of probably started to learn a little bit more about PMDD since you figured out that's what was going on. It's somewhere around one in 20 of like all menstruating individuals who have PMDD. So if you think about how many people there are and then that like there's a lot of people who have PMDD who some people know, obviously, but who don't know that it's not normal and who just Mm -hmm. walk around like I did and like maybe you did literally just feeling crazy for years and years and years and years and not knowing what it was. I used to sit and wonder, like, cause I was diagnosed around like 22, I think. And I was like, maybe this is just what adult life feels like. And for whatever reason, maybe my brain just isn't cut out for like regular adult life. And that was what I was kind of telling myself all the time, because I would have spirals over like the smallest of things and anxiety about like the most mundane things. And then once it all kind of came together, it was like, no, you have a hormonal disorder. I was like, wait a minute so much of my life now makes more sense because I know that it's this and I'm not just crazy.
0: (laughs) I think we've mentioned it a few times on the podcast of how women always feel like they have to extra explain themselves or over explain themselves just because of, we keep getting told that our intuition or what, whatever we know is wrong, is overdramatic and it is invalid. And, you know, just sit back and listen, this is what's happening to you, but, you know, being explained by a men, right? I'm glad that I'm seeing a lot more women sort of like putting their foot down and says, no, no, this is what I'm experiencing. I'm going to tell you what my body's doing to me and, you know, not have you explain to me what I'm experiencing.
1: Yeah, that's huge. And just To add on to this, uh, you are now three very close people in my life who have said that they have PMDD in the last year. So this is now becoming way more common and people are talking about it. And I'd love to get back to kind of talking about some of those boundaries and healthy habits you put into your life, Sid, to help, you know, with this disorder that now you're realizing you have to be very aware of your cycle and how you take care of yourself throughout this. So can you speak a little bit about that?
2: So interestingly, it's like interesting to me that even though I was diagnosed in the beginning of 2019, I really didn't understand a whole lot about PMDD until I found the organization that I volunteer with now. It was just kind of a thing where it was like, here's your diagnosis, here's the birth control. And of course I understood like, yes, this is what I have. But my knowledge and my understanding didn't really go further than just like, this is the label that I have and that's it. And I guess I take this pill now. Okay. (laughs) And it really is something that affects... Almost every aspect of my life, in like big ways in some aspects, and then just really small ways in other aspects, but really is. I hate to like border on making a disorder or an illness so much of my identity because I don't feel like that's necessarily healthy, but it also is something that really does affect me in so many ways that it kind of is part of my identity. I've had to learn that like the only way that I will survive, literally survive, is by having boundaries with people and not overextending myself and not giving everybody all my emotional labor for free all of the time which is something that I think may actually tie into like the way I'm astrologically designed because I'm a Pisces and I feel like Pisces are very sensitive very giving people most of the time and that's who I am I'm very sensitive and I always want to help people and that's just like who I am at my core but I learned kind of the hard way, especially with PMDD, that like I can't be hyperextending myself all the time because then I will I won't survive. That sounds dramatic, but it's just the truth, honestly. (laughs) But also being so sensitive, just being such like a sensitive person by nature. I used to think, I u- I literally used to think that boundaries was like a bad word, was that like boundaries were like only something that like harsh, mean, cold people had. And I used to tell people like, no, I don't need boundaries. I don't need boundaries because like, that's what like mean people have. Mean people have boundaries. And now I realize like, no, boundaries are how I keep myself alive.
1: Thank you for naming that. Because I think so many people identify with this idea of using boundaries to control another person, but what it actually does is it protects your energy, just like you said. Um, and I'm so excited to talk to you about the cards when they cu- well, like when we get to that point because they have been so spot on as you've been talking about sort of giving of yourself and realizing that you needed to rein that in.
0: No, I want to get into the astrology of it. I see so much of what we're talking about in the charts, and I am just extremely excited to get into all these things. And because when I when I get into these things, I also want to ask more questions, you know, because I just love getting to know people on this level. There's just all these hidden layers that you don't see. And I feel like I am given a gift, an opportunity to really get to know people on a different level. And, and to me, that's like the best kind of connections there are, you know, having an understanding of somebody at their core. So Sid, I looked at the chart and one of the first things I noticed was that it's sort of scattered all around. Most people have like really centralized or focused energy in like certain areas, but you're kind of scattered. You're a well-rounded person. Pluto is in your first house. Have you ever had your astrology chart read?
2: I've never had it, like, read, but I've looked at it myself and then kind of, like, thought about what those things mean based on what I know about myself. I've had friends kind of casually look at it, too, and they've pointed out the fact that it is kind of all over the place in terms of, like, there are even some things in there that are, like, actually, like, pretty close to opposites. Which is funny because it's, like, sometimes my brain is so chaotic that, like, when I figured that out, I was like, that's why. That's why I'm so chaotic sometimes <laughs> because everything is just, like, totally opposite of each other, all in <laughs> one brain.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do experience that, too, with my own chart. I have nine different oppositions, so I'm just a walking conflict. Mm-hmm. Um But I noticed that Pluto is in your first house. So there's like, throughout your life, there's going to be a lot of changes and transformation in your style and sense of identity. You might, I mean, maybe even five years, you might, you know, change your hair, a different color, change your, the way you dress, something like that. Like, I can see that happening.
2: I just, we both started nodding because I'm pretty well known, like in my community of friends and family and stuff, my hair specifically never stays the same color for more than like 2 months at a time. So, <laughs> I'm constantly doing like little changes like that.
0: It must be one of the things that just gives you more comfort. Like you you just have to see changes in yourself every day. That's cool. Another thing I saw is your north node being in the 11th house of Libra and this one is conjunct Chiron. So, this is the call for you to find balance in your groups and your friends and organizations and just being a part of a big, bigger organization, finding the balance, finding harmony, finding, you know, wholesomeness in groups of friends and organizations if you ever work with an organization. So Libra, also justice, right? And we did talk about social justice earlier and how you are very pulled to work with that. So I thought that was cool that it shows in your chart. And then your moon in Taurus in your Taurus 6th house. So how I read this is like your work stabilizes your mood and your service to others stabilizes your mood. Pets also, you have pets. And then I found out that you are learning, you you are going to grad school to be a social worker. It probably fills your soul to be able to help other people. Gives me goosebumps. I just... How pure, how much pure can you be? I noticed that Saturn is in your fourth house. Um, usually displacements mean that there was some kind of restrictive that your childhood might be more restrictive or you had strict presence in your life, kind of like putting, you know, little boxes around you and said so didn't really encourage a lot of thinking outside the box just yet. So when in your childhood that seemed to be the theme there, you also have your son conjunct Mars in your fourth house. So there's a focus of familial stability, there's a focus on your family person, you're involved with your family and your family is really important to you. Those are the things that I've been able to look at so far, right before we got into this conversation. Do you have any response?
2: yeah i mean a lot of that is very accurate you could probably see my head bobbing a lot in terms of just like uh uh uh-huh 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 i think it's interesting because this is what i've noticed with my own chart as well that my chart is very much aligned with people who like are called to like service and like giving themselves and i didn't know that obviously like er, i knew that but it wasn't necessarily like the only reason that i was like let me become a social worker that's just what i'm passionate about i've always been that person who just wants to help other people all of my, I have a lot of things that align. My, my Myers-Briggs personality type is actually the advocate, which is funny mm. because I used to be a professional advocate for domestic violence survivors. Like that was what I did mm. for a living. It always kind of seems that like my, my astrological chart, my personality type, my Enneagram type, they all lead back to like, I, for whoever put me here, whatever force put me here on the earth, I was designed to be that like helper And I felt like that since I was a child, even like before I knew about any of this stuff and could make the connections. I just have always firmly believed that if nothing else, I'm here to like give to other people. It's interesting about the childhood because I, I don't know, I feel like my, I was a weird kid. Like I was like the kid that wanted to dye their hair blue and like, I didn't want to play sports. I wanted to do like, art projects and like theater and stuff. And like, that was kind of at the time was a little bit like that made me a little bit weird. But my parents were always really receptive of that. And they were like, whatever you want to do, as long as you're not hurting anyone, we don't care. They didn't really put the boxes around me in terms of like, like I want, I was born thinking out of the box and they were just like, whatever, our kid's kind of weird, but we're rolling <laughs> with it.
0: I am really grateful that you gave me that feedback about, you know, your, your childhood and how that experience was for you because, you know, I'm obviously, we're all learning. And so this will make would make me go back and look at more research on this particular aspect. So I appreciate that. But I do want to also add on that I saw your Venus and Aries conjecture South node, and Venus and Aries is like a warrior princess. It's like I was asking CJ earlier, what's another word for a female warrior? And she said, Amazon. You know, Venus and Aries is like Venus is in a sign that Mars rule. You're very action oriented and you fight for other people. And like you said, you were an advocate. I thought that's beautiful. And South Node conjunct Venus and Aries means that this was also what you did in your past life. This was, you know, something that is very comfortable it comes easily for you It's your natural talent is to advocate for other and to fight for for their rights so that's my last bit we would love to listen to what the cards have to say cj
1: Yes. So I'm using the Jane Austen tarot deck today, which I love because it looks like a deck of cards, but the major arcana is infused into the minor arcana. So you actually got three different cards that have dual meanings in them, which is going to be really fun. So going back to kind of that duality you were talking about, it feels really appropriate. So the first two cards that came out were right at the beginning. It was the five of clubs, which is wands for this. And it's paired with the devil. And we always think about the devil in a negative way, but the devil is really about engaging with our shadow side. And this was right at the beginning where you were talking about your relationship ending and how you had sort of lost a version of yourself in this other person. And you've done this in the past. And then we talked about the idea of recognizing the toxicity in ourselves so that's the whole shadow side to be able to bring it to the light to then be able to work on it and alongside this card came the ace of hearts which is this deck's version of cups and that's all about a brand new emotional start which sounds like was exactly what you were embarking upon as you were finishing up this other relationship with someone else you were really entering into those shadow sides of yourself to enter into a better relationship with yourself, which just felt super beautiful. The next thing that came out was the three of spades, which is this deck's version of swords. And it was about the same time you were talking about your diagnosis with PMDD and how you hadn't felt safe with yourself. And generally the three of swords is uh, the visual of it is a heart with three swords sort of in it. And it feels like a really hard old wound, or it could be fresh and you could be newly hurt in sort of this situation, but it kind of gives you an opportunity to take back your power and to, you know, maybe slowly remove those swords as you need to. Um, And that was a big transformation for you when you got this diagnosis and you really advocated for yourself to tell the doctor, this is what my experience is. And you can't tell me anything otherwise, because I know my lived experience. So that again, feels like a huge huge transformative experience to be able to say, this is something that has been a wound and it continues to be a wound, but I will not allow it to be the ruler of my life. You also talked about sort of the, the diagnosis, not being your entire personality, but then recognizing how much of your life it does impact and allowing that to just be what it is without necessarily trying to fix it. Just allowing. Then we got the king of hearts, which is again, cups. And this was when Alice was talking to you about the fact that you pour yourself into other people. And when you were also talking about setting boundaries and making changes for the good of others, but really it's helping you be good for yourself. So it just felt like a really perfect way of saying you have kind of come to this place of not necessarily mastering our emotions because whoever can do that, like, I don't think that's even possible, but getting to a point where you're feeling able to pour yourself into these things that you're really passionate about and excited about while still maintaining your own rule over your own life, because a king we often think of as someone who is in a position of authority and power, and who better to rule over your own life than yourself, right? (laughs) And then towards the end, you had two other cards came out, both of which have this major arcana card infused into it. So the first one was the two of spades, which is swords, which is infused with the hanged man or the hanged one. So Two of Swords often has the imagery of someone with two swords across their chest and they're blindfolded with their back to the water. If you think about sort of that visual with the hanged man visual, it can be a sense of waiting or suspension kind of between two worlds, but also potentially like a self-betrayal if you're not allowing yourself to open up and to see all of the things around you. And this was at the time where you were kind of talking about being a Pisces, also needing to not give of yourself all the time and kind of allow for that discomfort. So it's this process of taking off the blindfold, uncrossing yourself, and then waiting for whatever revelations needed to come for you to then be able to move forward. And the other card that came out was the six of clubs, which is wands, which is infused with the tower. So it really kind of felt like you needed to have this complete breakdown and revelation. You know, we always talk about tower moments where you get this inspiration of, oh, things as they have been can no longer be. And now I have to sort of build up a new tower and from a foundation that is more aligned with what's good for me, which again, feels super perfect to recognize that you kind of needed to have that conflict to evolve, to be able to know yourself better and allow for that discomfort to happen as you're going through this journey.
2: Wow. (laughs) A lot of that was very, very just like spot on and accurate and it always kind of freaks me out a little bit in a good way whenever somebody else reads like my tarot or does tarot for me. And then I'm like, oh, whoa, wait, that's so relevant. How'd you know that? Like, how did you know that was going on?
1: <laughs> cool. It's cool. That's the really tarot cool. doesn't yeah. lie. You it know, knows. That, <laughs> it, it knows, you know, and even if you feel like, oh, that card wasn't, you know, it was an accident. It came out or something like that to me always feels like where the biggest lesson is, right? Mm-hmm. Where it pops out and you're like, oh, fuck, I did need to hear this, didn't mm-hmm. I? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good yeah. stuff, right? It's all about sort of reconstructing. It's
2: cool. the whole like tower moments thing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've never referred to them as like tower moments necessarily, but I feel like I have I have a theme a running theme throughout my life of uh, what other people would probably say like is like when they turn over a new leaf or something like that in their life and they like kind of build something new and they like turn into a new version of themselves. I've always referred to that as little deaths like I call those my little deaths and I've had several little deaths throughout my life in terms of like a part of me, a version of me that I used to be that no longer suits my needs or no longer suits like my situation or anything like that does die and it doesn't exist anymore. And then a new version kind of is born and builds on top of some of the old stuff, but also I know the word death and like the concept of death for a lot of people is kind of like big and scary and negative, but I don't view the little deaths as a bad thing. I view the little deaths as like a natural progression of just like, yeah, it's like growth. You should be growing. You should be changing. Parts of you should be dying and you should be leaving like old parts of you behind that are no longer relevant or productive. That kind of seems to be like another version, another term for like tower moments where it's kind of like I've torn down the tower now I'm building something new. Also duality. I have such an interesting relationship with duality over the past couple of years. I have this conversation with friends all the time about how I really wish that we would like get more comfortable as a society with the idea that really nothing except for like a few things are truly black or white and that most things do exist somewhere in that gray zone, which means that there's a lot of duality of like this thing is both good and bad or this thing is both negative and positive or like All of that. But we don't seem as humans, we seem to want to categorize a little bit more and like put things in distinct columns of like good and bad or black and white. I don't think that's true. I think there's a lot more duality to everything than like people seem to realize. And I love that. I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah, that's huge. Uh, So much of what you just said uh, resonates really deeply. And, you know, Alice and I were like bobbing our heads along with like, yes, these little deaths. Yes. These tower moments. Yes. Duality. Yes. Parts of you have to die in order for other parts to come into being. It's all a natural progression of life and it isn't linear. And sometimes it fucking sucks and it hurts a lot. But at the end of the day, we're always grateful for these experiences, even if in the moment they suck because it allows us to then evolve into the next version of ourselves. So we always love to end our episodes with gratitude. Um, So I'll start with Alice. What are you grateful for?
0: I am grateful for little bets and duality. Um, Honestly, because of duality, you gain perspective and you grow from that. And I was stuck in my own perspective for a long time until I was exposed to these other opinions or Lived experiences. I was like, oh shoot! I don't think my assessment was right. I need to reassess this. And even those those moments were uncomfortable. I have grown a lot, and now I'm you know more open to listening to experiences that I would feel originally more uncomfortable about. And yeah, little that's You know, just I think CJ knows this. But I was watching the show about a girl who lived in Paris, and In French, and correct me if I'm wrong, French little deaths is actually orgasms.
1: (laughs) I have heard this. It's funny because I've been speaking French for like 25 years and there's still these things that I learn really randomly. So I believe that I have heard that orgasms are called les petits morts, which are little Mm deaths because like, it's like the pre-pleasure and then the after-pleasure, right? (laughs)
0: Oh, there you go. Like who, who's not grateful for orgasms? But in a, you know, a bigger set of things. I think that we need these little transformations every day, you know, whether it is physically or mentally or emotionally. So those are the things that I'm grateful for. What are you grateful for, Sid? Wow, a lot
2: from this conversation, honestly. And I don't, I mean, not to say that I didn't expect like a, it to be a good conversation, but I am very pleasantly surprised. Or I think I spent a lot of my younger years feeling really misunderstood in terms of the way that I feel about a lot of these things, in terms of the way I feel about like emotions and growth and just my relationships to things like death and rebirth and all of those things. And sometimes like I've been in situations before where I've tried to explain these concepts and people look at you like you have three heads because it's like, what the heck are you talking about? A part of you died. You're fine. (laughs) I'm just always grateful when I'm in spaces where I can kind of talk about like, Really, because these are like really the deep inner workings of my brain, like the things that I ruminate on that are kind of coming out right now. And to feel understood in that and to have people be like, no, I resonate with that. To have people be like, no, that makes sense to me is really cool. I'm grateful for that, for sure.
1: Yes, and we are grateful for your honesty and openness and vulnerability. We'll just bring you into the celestial small talk fold. Um, I always talk about how someday I'm going to run a commune in the woods. And I feel like I'm just finding my people right now um, to bring into this uh, (laughs) situation. But I am really grateful for so many um, relationships that come out of these unexpected moments, like, you know, having done the vagina monologues. It's come at different points in my life where I've performed or directed directed it and have been so transformed by the experiences. And a lot of it comes from meeting people who are like-minded and open-minded. And so I'm grateful for having met you through that experience and you know, hopefully continuing our friendship uh, beyond Celestial Small Talk and uh, beyond Instagram as well. But I'm just so grateful, I think, for this whole season, having these opportunities to talk with people who have been influential in both Alice's life and my life and learn and unlearn and grow as we go. Because if we're not doing that, then I'm like, what the fuck are we here for? You know. <laughs> so um, yes, let's just say um, thank you to all of our listeners for hanging in there with us as we have gone on this journey together. And we are so excited to bring some new formats and ideas for season three, and hopefully bring back some of these wonderful voices that you have heard. So thank you everyone and have a lovely
0: day. You can reach us at CelestialSmallTalk at gmail.com and on Instagram at CelestialSmallTalk.
1: Please listen, like, review, share, grow, learn, and love. Until next time.